All right, so today, uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about the Anunnaki. Now, who were the Anunnaki and why does it really matter? I mean, I, I'm sure that if you follow this kind of these kind of theories and proposals online, you'll see all over the place, uh, Anunnaki this, Anunnaki that, right? And so the short answer is this. I took a lot of time to, to try and sum this up, but the, the Anunnaki were the deity pantheon of the ancient Sumerians. And I'll explain a little later why, through the mythology of all of it, why they were so important and so significant. But the interest in the Sumerian culture has been active and persistent since it was discovered in the 19th century for several reasons. So, <clears throat> first off, we have to understand who the Sumerians were, right? Now, the Sumerians appear on the archaeological record beginning around 4500 BCE, located in what we now know as Iraq, the region, a.k.a. Mesopotamia, has long been referred to as the cradle of civilization. Now, here's the thing. Before I go on, I just want to say there's a lot of history that contradicts itself, that intertwines with one another, so I'm not here to put any other historical piece of evidence or religious figure or story down. I'm just here to present the story and mythology and concept behind the Anunnaki. So, Sumer, or Summer, whatever you want to call it, was a handful of city-states initially ruled by priests. Each, or, each of them were organized around a city and temple now called a Zigurat. Now, the Zigurats, dedicated to Anunnaki worship, were layered pyramids with flat tops. And these communities were considered to be servant-slave populations, if you want to call them, dedicated to serving the temple gods, which in this case were the Anunnaki. So over time, priesthood rulership gave way to kings. And so the Sumerians were skilled trade merchants and acquired lapis lazuli from Afghanistan, um, cedar from Lebanon, and gold from the Indus Valley. Their agrarian culture, or agrarian, sorry, gave us the plow as well as time, the 24-hour day and 60-minute hour time cycle. And so we can attribute our... <clears throat> our current time frame and, and, and mindset of how we approach time uh, towards these people. Now, Sumerian history is gleaned from archaeological and geological evidence. Written records are in the form of cuneiform tablets, I think that's how you pronounce it, and reportedly some half a million tablets have been recovered, but only a small number have actually been able to be translated. And much was also learned from translations of Babylonian records. And so Sumer was considered ancient in Babylonian times. Now, Sumerians worshipped the Anunnaki, said to be the children of the sky and of the earth. And there was a particular god of the sky called An, and there was an earth goddess called Ki that they worshipped. And chief among them a chief among both of them was someone named Enlil, or Anlil, the god of air. Now, this pantheon was passed to the Akkadian, Babylonian, and Assyrian cultures. And the epic of Gilgamesh, so that's like the, the story of the historical king of Sumerian city-state Uruk, is an ancient literary relic of Sumerian culture. 
So what I just mentioned is the, the mainstream narrative regarding the Anunnaki. Um, other people have drawn different conclusions based on archaeological evidence and analysis of Sumerian mythology and what have you, and translation of these uh, cuneiform tablets. I think that's how you pronounce that. But the point is this. There's tons of information on them based on the tablets that we have uh, found archaeologically, but like I said earlier, very little have been translated. Now, the question then becomes th that I want to ask regarding the tablets is, have they been translated in secret? And so has it just been kind of, you know, projected onto the world that they can't be translated, right? Like, is that something that's being hidden from us as well? So here's the, the, um, the flip side of the Anunnaki story. Now, I just want to say before I go on, the Anunnaki's have been projected and proposed to be many different kinds of, you know, gods, uh, extraterrestrials, aliens, higher spiritual beings. Personally, I'd probably put my faith in that of extraterrestrials um, who had a, a much deeper understanding of the universe and what have you. And so I think that ultimately when you have a small group of extraterrestrials visiting the earth so many thousands of years ago, humans will obviously say that they're, you know, creatures of the sky, creatures from above or what have you, right? And so I think we can attribute most of that to extraterrestrials, which isn't even really a, a conspiracy theory anymore. I mean, it's, it's being proposed more and more as something that would seem very realistic, right? Especially in, in the year 2020. Now, author Michael Cremo, who wrote the book Forbidden Archaeology, has researched the history of archaeology for 40, 45 years, roughly, documenting findings that have been excluded from mainstream academic archaeology and many other things. And Essentially, he's been researching findings that would widely disrupt the accepted story of human origins, which, again, goes back to my whole thing of we have half a million tablets. How come nobody's tried to translate them? Probably because people in secret or within, these, within certain intelligence communities have been able to translate them. It's just it hasn't been broadcasted onto the public because it would kind of disrupt our origin story. Again, this kind of intertwines with my, my Vatican episode as well. Now... This author, Michael Cremo, along with author Zakaria Sitchin, um, Eric von Daniken, and um, Michael Tellinger, and several others, they make compelling arguments that the Anunnaki were, in fact, off-world beings posing as gods. Now, this theory also asserts that these so-called sky gods uh, genetically engineered the human race as a slave species, which may account for uh, weak links in the evolutionary story of mankind in general. Now, these theories gave birth to the ancient astronaut hypothesis, asserting, <clears throat> excuse me, asserting that off-world beings have been posing as gods to influence human affairs for millennia. And if I can be completely honest with you, I wouldn't rule that out whatsoever. I mean, to say that, you know, governments at the highest of levels above that of prime minister and presidency, um, those within the top secret legacy intelligence and military communities are communicating with off-world beings that are shaping our, our world, our economy, almost every aspect of it. I wouldn't rule it out because as time goes on, it's like, you know, unless you're a completely peaceful extraterrestrial, you're going to want to, you know, kind of perform some influence on the people of this planet, 
right? I mean, think of us. If we went to go visit another planet with a species that was maybe, you know, a thousand or, you know, five, ten thousand years dumber than, than we are right now, you'd have people that want to just bring peace to them and, and teach them. You would have others that would want to study them. And then you would have others that would probably want to deviously influence that of uh, their, their so-called politics or what have you, right? Now, Many believe that the Anunnaki extracted massive amounts of gold using human labor, and this is derived from multiple discoveries of ancient mining tunnels in South Africa and relics and links to the Sumerians. And here's the thing. No one knows why they wanted gold. No one knows how much was taken, said uh, Mr. Tellinger, one of the authors who looked into this. And he also claims that the Anunnaki introduced the concepts of money, finance, and debt to human societies. And if I were to be completely honest with you guys, at least in my personal opinion, I don't know if it's the Anunnaki's, but to say that some other worldly being kind of introduced the idea of enslaving people while thinking they're, uh, you know, free through the use of debt and money and finance would not surprise me. So, a theory that these beings originated from Nibiru, a.k.a. Planet X, as we know now, has been added to alternate Anunnaki narratives as well as the, the likelihood of the off-world gods bringing advanced technologies that account for what we now know as, you know, sophisticated megastructures like pyramids or, or the Stonehenge, which we still can't really explain, right? Like, I mean, the best of the best still can't explain any of them. They, they claim every few, few years that they can, but really they can't. Like, we all know they can't. Now, out-of-place artifacts and tool discoveries contribute to these claims as well. So, the Sumerians were also known for sophisticated mathematical and astronomical knowledge. And again, whether or not people think the Anunnaki's are ridiculous, you cannot deny the existence of the Sumerian people, and you can't deny the advancement that these uh, the Sumerians had, right? And so the question is, how did they learn this, right? And you could say this was knowledge passed down from, uh, from them from the, the Anunnaki's, right? So aside from images, and again, almost like half a million untranslated tablets, no lists of the Anunnaki pantheon exist. It is known, however, that each Sumerian city-state had its own Anunnaki god or overseer assigned by a senior Anunnaki named Marduk. Now, again, to say that these aliens came and, and, and or these extraterrestrial beings came and oversaw different regions and all that, listen, I wouldn't rule it out. We're talking thousands and thousands of years ago, right? So some, perhaps inspired by theosophical society founder Helena Blavatsky's book called The Secret Doctrine, uh, Doctrine sorry, assert that the Anunnaki are or were a reptilian race that still survives to this day, deeply entrenched in human affairs. Now, this is where it gets interesting because this is where the reptilian kind of proposal gets tied in with that of the Anunnaki proposal. And so, it's very possible that if these Anunnaki's, through pictures and, and uh, not pictures, uh, drawings and, and scriptures and what have you, do exist, it would be interesting to see that if these reptilians do indeed control our government and our governing bodies around the world, then it would make sense why these half a million tablets have not been translated or why they suddenly can't be translated, right? And so, 
I mean, it, it, it's very, very interesting. And this author, uh, Miss Blavatsky, also wrote of dragon men, quote-unquote, who influenced the lost uh, Lemurian civilization. And these dragon men have that of the same description of the Anunnaki. And so uh, a gentleman by the name of David Icke has been on the disclosure lecture circuit since 1999. And he accurately reported that UK TV and radio star Jimmy Seville was on a rampant pedophile, uh, oh, sorry, was a rampant pedophile and was kind of like on a, a string of rapes proven true after Seville's death in 2011. So this same gentleman, David Icke, also believes the imposter uh, that the Anunnaki gods continue to manipulate themselves as sort of control humanity from seats of political, corporate, and financial power worldwide. And he explains that these beings not only exploit humans, but they feed off of collective fear, right? And I'm going to be honest, this... this seems to be very well ingrained in, in, in uh, at least Western politics and definitely European politics and society and culture. And <clears throat> David Icke also calls for a disconnect from mainstream media and sort of Orwellian uh, entrainment that triggers fear and anxiety, right? Which is kind of like an aggregate hypnotic sort of state that everyone's kind of living in. Because when you think about it, Think about when you go to work or think about when you're, you're relaxing over the weekend. Very few people are actually at peace with themselves. What we'll notice is that in society, people are constantly, you know, even if they're not working, even if it's, you know, a Sunday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon, oh, I got to go do this, I got to go do that. That sort of fear and anxiety is intertwined and, and sort of embedded in their minds and they don't even know why. So it's very possible that, in fact, through influence of so many, you know, hundreds of, or, you know, thousands of years that this could kind of be embodied in our, in our minds because of our ancestral relation to that of, you know, ancient societies, right? And so on the surface, the Anunnaki and the, you know, slash reptilian narrative appears to be a completely unbelievable hypothesis, right? Again, but at the same time, this I hate to keep bringing this up, but I mean, it could be another form of psyop, of psychological warfare. How do you embarrass or make fun of something that's actually true? You ridicule it in plain sight, right? And I look, at the end of the day, I just encourage people to reach from ancient times and reach, uh, uh, reach into ancient uh, literatures, if they can, and draw their own conclusions. I'm not here to persuade people one way or the other, right? But ultimately... What we need to understand is that we can't rule anything out. I'm not saying to believe in every single thing, but all I can say is this. The Anunnaki slash reptilian sort of uh, beings, it's not anything new. It's not something that someone made up, you know, 40, 50 years ago that suddenly is, you know, uh, coming out now and all of a sudden people are going to, or people are falling for it. The way I see it is this. Some of it could not be true. But for the Anunnaki reptilian theory and proposal to be brought down through so many generations for so long, I would dare to say that there is some truth to it indeed, right? And so, let's put it this way. The way that these Anunnaki supposedly ruled the Sumerian people and the Sumerian pantheon back in the day, 
Does that sound any different than how humans are ruling different regions or states within a country now? The whole thing is, where do we learn that concept from? Why, as humans, are we evolving so quickly in, you know, relative to how we used to evolve so slowly up until like 100 years ago, roughly, right? And so, if I can cite back, uh, virtually every major deity in the Sumerian pantheon was regarded as the patron, the patron of a specific city and was expected to protect that city's interests. And the deity or the deity that was believed to permanently reside within that city's temple was delegated to that particular region, right? Now, one particular text that has been translated from these tablets mentions as many as 50 Anunnaki associated with the city of Eridu, right? Now, in Inanna's descent into the netherworld, which is a story from the uh, Akkadian Anunnaki scriptures, there are only seven Anunnaki who reside within the underworld and serve as judges, so to speak. And Inanna stands trial before them for, you know, her attempt to take over the underworld. And Inanna was another uh, character or person that's been written into these scriptures. Now, major deities in Sumerian mythology were associated with specific celestial bodies, and Inanna was believed to be the, the planet Venus, and Utu was believed to be the sun. Um, Nana, not Inanna, but Nana was believed to be the moon, and An was identified with all the stars of the equa equatorial, I think as you call it, sky. And Enlil with those of the northern sky, and Enki with those of the southern sky. And the path of Enlil's celestial orbit was a continuous symmetrical circle around the north celestial pole, around the north pole. But those of An and Enki were believed to intersect at various points. Now, here's the thing. Before I go on, I just want to say something very important. Again, you could say that in theory the North Pole is not a convenient place to fly over. I'm not a pilot. I'm not, I'm not an expert. Um, but I know, I know some people who are pilots, and they still can't fully explain to me why the North Pole isn't exactly the best place to fly over. Now, again, obviously there's you know, basic weather conditions and worries and what have you. But at the same time, why is it that the North Pole to this day, there's constant rumors and conspiracies around it. And I don't think it's just because people like to make up conspiracies, okay? There, there's enough conspiracies or proposals out there. there. There's enough of that crap, right? And so not only that, I wish I had the answer, but I don't. Not only that, but when we also look into the seven underworld gods, why is it that this number seven, regardless of religion, keeps um, popping up and reoccurring? The seven chakras in our body spiritually, the seven gods of the underworld, the, the, the seven this, the seven that. And I think it's something that needs to be looked into as well and studied more because ultimately, at the end of the day, what we have to, you know, understand is that this kind of reoccurring, these kind of reoccurring patterns are, are not going away. And sure, someone could say, you know, if you made up a, an ancient religion or an ancient uh, a group of people, you just throw in the number seven and you throw in some stuff and people will fall for it. But the point is this, the Anunnaki and the reptilian proposals are not of that of anything recent, right? And so that's what it comes down to. Now, um, I'm probably going to be doing a a second episode. This will probably be like a Anunnaki episode number one. 
just because there's so much to cover, right? And at the end of the day, um, there's lots to, to, to report and cover on the Anunnaki's. And so I kind of just wanted to start this, this little series off by giving a, um, a bit of an introduction. So ultimately, at the end of the day, I hope you guys can come to your own conclusions. But I think that this would be a good starting point and a good foundation from which you can sort of spiral your thinking off of. And so, um, and so we will catch you guys next time. And thank you very much for listening, watching. Feel free to subscribe. Um, soon I will be also coming out with a, uh, something called a, a self-awakening package to, to help people kind of become more awakened in their, in their you know, spiritual journey, in their journey of exploring different proposals around the world, and uh, we'll take it from there. So thank you very much, and we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.